Steve Gage grew up in a Christian home in Oklahoma and was a good enough athlete to be named to the Claremore and University of Tulsa Halls of Fame and went on to play a few years in the NFL. He relied on the Lord to help him in decision-making along the way that took him from college quarterback to NFL defensive back in a Super Bowl title with Washington. Then his world was rocked when a heart issue nearly took him out of the game of life. Steve Gage's story is one of leaning on God's will through a lot of good times and a lot of not so good, just like most of us. I'd like to start with growing up in Oklahoma. What was the Gage household like? And were you were you born in Vertigris or where were you born? Yeah, actually I was born in Tulsa and lived near the traffic circle uh, there till like second grade or so. And, and my parents and our family moved out to the community of Vertigris. And uh, so that's where I went to Went to school through elementary. Now, back then, Vertigris only went to the eighth grade. So, uh, but that, that's where I grew up. And uh, my parents really uh, never pushed me into athletics or anything. I mean, it was oh, fine if I'd play, fine if I didn't. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but that's where I grew up. It was my early childhood. Have any siblings that also maybe played? Uh, no, they didn't. They didn't did other things. So uh, I was kind of the the athlete in the family, and and okay. others had their unique interest, and and I just went out and tried to play basketball or football in the front yard, you know. <laughs> so what was the appeal for sports if your siblings weren't playing and your parents really never uh, pushed it? Yeah, that that's a good question. Well, when we went to Vertigris, I had a had a coach. Uh, named Carl Coleman, who uh, uh, was he coached everything. And at Vertigris, he coached football, basketball teams, track, you know, kind of did it all. And he was a very good coach, a very good man, high-character guy, Christian man. And we, he, he just really uh, he, he inspired me. And then I, I just found a love with competition and just playing and competing. And, gosh, you know, sometimes you think about, well, some, some kids are wired that way, some are not. And I certainly was wired that way, if, if that's a thing, you know. And, and I just loved to play and compete, so I'd play any sport possible. And I couldn't play until we got to, like, the fifth grade. And I didn't play in any competitive stuff before that. And I just played whatever school offered. Then you go to Claremore starting in junior high, and obviously they offered football and, and other sports on that level. Were you playing everything? Well, I love basketball, always have. And uh, so we, I played, uh, I went to Vertigris through the eighth grade, then the ninth grade. You moved to either, either went to Catoosa or Claremore. So okay. I went to Claremore, was a zebra. And so in the ninth grade, I played football, basketball, and ran track. And uh, that was what I did all through high school, basically. And, and so, but, you know, that was kind of a, as I remember, a new awakening. I was, I was the quarterback at Vertigris, you know, in elementary and kind of the, the, the star player, if you will, and, and uh, get to Claremore, I'm just a number. So I had to kind of earn it, you know. Because mm-hmm. so. obviously the numbers are greater. Yeah. I don't know what it would have been back then, but even now I think, well, Claremore is a 5A school, and you've got uh, Vertigris, I think, maybe 2A or 3A? They're 3A now. 3A, and yeah. then uh, back then, you know, uh, high school athletics went to 5A, I think it was. And, yeah. and Claremore at that time was a 4A. Okay. okay. And so, but yeah, the competition was a lot stiffer. And, uh, you know, where there might have been two quarterbacks at Vertigris, there was like five or six now at Claremore. But, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So you had to kind of 
find your footing at Claremore, and obviously football became a passion for you to some degree uh, because you stuck with that, and that's what you went on to play in college and ultimately in the NFL as well. So when you were at Claremore, did you continue to play basketball all the way through your senior year? Yeah, let me share this. I've shared this story a lot with my son, who's a sophomore now. At uh, His name's Trevor. He's at Rejoice Christian School in, in Owasso. But my sophomore year, okay, as a, going as a quarterback, I was six foot one, 145 pounds. Mm-hmm. Very skinny, very, yeah. you know, and I was fifth string quarterback. And, uh, and, I, and I stayed there for a little while, you know, and then some things happened during that year uh, that some injuries happened. Uh, they moved some other players to other positions, and I find myself at number three. Well, the starter gets mad and quits. Mm-hmm. And then the next guy gets injured, and I play. I start in a game. And long story short, we, we were playing uh, Cushing. I remember this. How, yeah, I can remember this. <laughs> remember that game. And, and uh, we were ranked number one in the country. Had a, had a great running back named Kenny Kennard, mm-hmm. who was recruited by everybody. He yeah. went on to play pro baseball right out of high school. Anyway, I threw two touchdown passes in the last five minutes of the game to win the game. <laughs> And then from that point on, I was really, you know, um, a passion was with football. But I almost quit. I almost quit football my sophomore year. And what, what happened there? I got, I got to the end of it, and I loved basketball. And uh, I thought, well, I'm a, maybe I just should play basketball. And I remember talking to my, my parents, my dad, and, he, and they said, well, they encouraged me to keep playing. And they didn't push me. And uh, – and so, but they said, you got to start lifting weights, you know? And so I got in a weight room and I really became obsessed with it my yeah. junior year and, and uh, dr- you know, drinking protein shakes at night and all this stuff. I put on 30 pounds, you know, between my, my uh, sophomore and junior, going into my junior year. And people have to remember, this is early 80s stuff. Yeah. This it's is when the, the weight room was basically a universal That's, that yeah. had a bench press attached to it and yeah. a military press and a dip bar and... I mean, it wasn't the kind of no. weight room that, that high schools have now. All right, so let me ask you about that. Go back to that sophomore decision uh, to continue to play football. And tell me about you know, what kind of faith you had at the time. Were you, was the family a church-going family? Yes, well, it definitely was a priority in the home. And uh, we went to church, whether you wanted to or not, you know, Sundays. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, you went Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday, Wednesday night. Wednesday night, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. And so, but yeah, I grew up that way. And when I got to Claremore, uh, you know, Fellowship Christian Athletes was, was prevalent then. Uh, perhaps not as dynamic as it is today with, you know, with a lot of the FCA groups and stuff. But we, we did have a group, and, and I, I became friends with other players and coaches. Some of my coaches were Christian Christian guys that really encouraged me. So I had a lot of really support around me that was Christian-based, and my faith was able to develop. And I, I don't know, I just always, you know, I, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, I met, met the Lord and became a Christian, was saved uh, at, at a young age, like when I was about seven. Okay. And uh, the Lord, you know, I, I've had a personal relationship with him uh, ever since then. At times, times where I've drifted off, of course, like many people do, but uh, through high school, I, I was able to really, I mean, God, I see God's, you know, protection around me, really, through high school, through my relationships with other Christian believers mm-hmm. and the encouragement that, that I had from others. So, yes. 
and my wife and I were talking not too long ago about this. She's a few years younger than me. When I was growing up in the late 70s, it seemed like everything was really more about just learning facts about the Bible and a, and a lot less emphasis on your heart mm-hmm. and that and yeah. that direct relationship with the Lord. It was just about, you know, Bible bowls. People may or may not know that you're a member of the Claremore High School. I don't know if it's high school, but it's Claremore uh, Hall of Fame, Sports right. Hall of Fame. Yeah, Sports Hall of Fame. And uh, so obviously you did well at Claremore. Yeah. Were you an All-State player by the time you graduated from there? Yes, and two sports, in football and basketball. And basketball. Yeah. And uh, so that was a, that was a, a big honor, and and enjoyed those times, and really kind of wanted to go play in the all. Back then, you you had to pick which you know go play football, all state game, or basketball. And I, I really thought hard about going to play basketball in my last time, you know. Yeah. But uh, I could have went and played Division two basketball, but I wanted to play football in D one. So anyway, ended up playing playing an all state game for football. But yeah, I had those two. Well, what what offers were rolling in for football and basketball for you? Well, I you know back then it's just I'm I'm learning the new recruiting process with, with my young son right now, and we're just kind of entering into it. But it's way different than today. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, there's no huddle. Uh, no stuff yeah. back then. Yeah, there's <laughs> no huddle videos yep. and all this. In fact, somebody asked me the other day. He said, "How did you you know get?" What kind of videos you send? Well, you send film on a reel. <laughs> yep, yep. And you edit it, and you put the, yeah. you go find the highlights, yeah. and you splice them together. Yeah, yeah. So I had a couple of coaches that did some of that for me. Bless their hearts. And and uh, and in high school, uh, Coach uh, Chris Thurman, who is now kind of an, he coached all over. You know, great mm-hmm. great defensive mind, defensive back coach. Uh, he he was real involved with you know some of my early training and getting ready for college and then uh so anyway i narrowed it down i kind of narrowed it down pretty quickly between ou and tu and and coach thurman had 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 some contacts there with coach proctor at ou if you remember him mm-hmm. and i'd went to ou's uh summer camp before my senior year and they uh I, but i love to play quarterback and uh, they wanted me to play defensive back and and I kept trying to convince them to let me play quarterback. So did so. did you play defensive back at Claremore and quarterback? Is that how that happened? Yes. Okay. But I mean, truthfully, I, I played. They didn't start. I didn't play the whole game at free safety or strong safety. Uh, and, and I would I'd play you know half of it and play full time quarterback. So anyway, um, OU. I, so I narrowed it down between OU and Tulsa. There was other. Smaller D one schools and a lot, you know, D two schools that were throwing offers and all that. But I narrowed it down to them and and ended up choosing uh, University of Tulsa. Now, because yeah. uh, I wanted to play quarterback, and Merv Johnson came to my high school and and offered me. Said, "Oh man, we just we just see see you playing safety, and we got all these real fast guys that play quarterback." I said, "Well, how fast do you think I am?" <laughs> and uh, and I was pretty fast, you know. For, for I ran back in high school, I ran like a four six, and that was pretty solid. But uh, anyway, he, they they uh, offered me to play DB safety, and and John Cooper and Larry Coker uh, mm-hmm. were both recruiting me hard and said, "You're you're going to be our quarterback," you know. So I, I signed there, and then I show up at Tulsa, and they've told five other guys the same thing. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, but anyway, that's yeah. So I'm trying to think early 80s at Oklahoma because you would have had 
they won that national title in 85, and that would have been Wishbone, Jamel Holloway. Yes, yeah. uh, so right before that would have been Troy Aikman uh, in like 83, 84. He, he would have been right after uh, – we tried to recruit him at Tulsa. So he, was, okay. he would have been a couple years younger than I okay. at that time. Okay. And, uh, of course, he didn't give Tulsa a second look really then and, and went to OU – uh, yeah, so you know, you know that story. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very well. Let's talk about those times that you say that you you may have drifted off center. Would that have happened during your time at at Tulsa? I mean, it happens to a lot of us. We get to college and we are making our own decisions, and we're away from home. Even though you're yeah. not that far away from home, right? right. Uh, you're not living in the home anymore. And and thankfully, I I really truthfully have to say no. Uh, that I got. One of the things that really got me convinced to go to Tulsa early on is I met some some guys through FCA mm-hmm. and fellows for Christian athletes. Bill Blankenship was actually the FCA local director guy. <laughs> okay, and he would come and 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 uh, lead Bible studies in our dorms, you know. And I got to know him. Of course, that was before he, he's so famous, but uh, him and and other guys there, but. Uh, yeah, I got I got plugged in pretty pretty quick to the FCA group. Now, there's times, of course, where you you do stupid stuff. I mean, you're a you know teenager, early twenties, and you, you do stupid things. But uh, you know, as a as part of a lifestyle, uh, that didn't happen. I think probably drifting away may have been the temptation after leaving college, and you're totally on your own. You're seeing the world from the eyes, and you know you're playing in NFL or whatever. That that's that can be a temptation there, and the money, I'm and sure. the money, and and all the things, and what you want it to become, and all mm-hmm. these things, and then you have expectations that you're supposed to be like, and uh, but what's really kept me grounded uh, through all that uh, is my relationship with God, number one, and and the foundation that was laid into me by many people, mm-hmm. and, and I can't take credit for myself. I mean, it was people pouring their lives, discipleships. Uh, we, I went to Eastwood Baptist Church, which is where I eventually met my wife, Lisa. Now, she's an OU Sooner and brainwashed <laughs> that way, okay? And in fact, I met her at Eastwood uh, after my first year playing with the Redskins. And, uh, you know, I tell you, I'm trying to impress her on Steve Gage with uh, Washington Redskins and she, I think she thought OU was a professional team too, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> and they kind of were. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, but yeah. So the people I've had in my life have been the foundation, and certainly my wife Lisa, when we got married, continued that. You know, uh, uh, her support and her encouragement and my faith and her living it too. It was is very important, still is today. So you were able to to go through. Uh, high school and into college without having some sort of attachment to a, a at least a dating life with someone out of high school into college? Or did that happen and it just kind of fell apart in high school or in college? Oh, it, it, it really never stayed together through college. Any, I wasn't big on uh, doing a lot of uh, serious dating, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but, you know, when I and when I met my wife, Lisa, or at least I saw her, I knew I wanted to get serious with her, okay? And, <laughs> Isn't it and, funny and, how that happens yeah. sometimes? Now, she, when she was at OU, I'll say this for her, a little plug. Uh, she hates me doing this, but she, when she was at OU, 
and she's a couple years younger than me, but she, she was voted most beautiful girl on campus. So right away, she got my attention, and, <laughs> and then uh, we connected, actually connected through spiritual ways. You know, mm-hmm. uh, growing, She grew up at Eastwood Baptist Church, and I, I went there in college, and our yeah. parents you know, knew and connected. And so, and, You're listening to a conversation with former NFL and college football player Steve Gage, recorded in December of 2021. Let's go back into getting into the NFL. Okay. Because uh, I've had a few of these interviews on Suit Up where guys have had to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of it wasn't one position or the other. Some of it was one sport or the other. Charlie Ward you know, had to make a decision whether or not he wanted to play football or uh, basketball in the NBA, football in the NFL, basketball in the NBA. Uh, but for you, it wasn't a sport or the other. It was a different position. Because here, here we go again yeah. with the idea of what the what you had to make at between OU and TU, defensive back or quarterback. You get drafted by the Redskins, yeah, here, but they want you to play DB. Yeah. So here we go again, right? So uh, yeah, I have to back up to like after or kind of like during my senior year at TU, and then got selected in to go to the Senior Bowl, and uh, me and one of our teammates, David Alexander. Uh, both were selected to go there. And so they told me, they didn't know what to do with me. They, the director of Senior Bowl was like, we, we want you to come. Scouts want to see you. Because really, Senior Bowl is all about a scouting two weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they said, we want you to come. We think, we think we're going to put you, you guys on the north team. Oklahoma's kind of north or south, you know. Put you on the north team. Uh, but they want you to come and, and play defensive back. What do you think about that? Okay. Uh, they said, well, uh, think about that. You can, you can, so I get down there. I get down to, to Birmingham, and they say, well, you can play a little bit at quarterback during the senior bowl and go practice with them all week, mm-hmm. but you're going to play behind a guy named Jim Harbaugh, okay, <laughs> and, and a guy named Chris Miller, I think it was. And, or they said, you could go start at free safety. So I said, all right, I see the writing on the wall here, God. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I went over and started at free safety, and I got defensive player of the game for the North, got an interception, yeah. made, a bunch, made several tackles, and then it seemed like from that point on, as in what, January, February time frame, uh, through the, the draft in late April, uh, everybody saw me as a defensive back. Yeah. And back then, there was no RPO. I, I was doing, I tell people today, I was doing RPO at Tulsa before it was an, ever known In what both. RPO is. <laughs> That's what the split back veer offense is. And uh, so, anyway, that, so the decision to make, to, to be defensive back was kind of made for me. Mm-hmm. I just had to go along with it yeah. and then and devote myself to it. Yeah. So, how hard was that? Because obviously, as we've talked, you had this heart for quarterback mm-hmm. that started all the way back in sixth grade, yeah. you know, making the transition from yeah. one town to the other to I'm not going to play if I can't play quarterback in high school and to, to now you got to make a decision in college. Um, so were you committed to, to playing defensive back once you got into the NFL? Absolutely. Yeah. I got, got committed to doing that. And, um, uh, I always had in the back of my mind, you know, what if, you know, something happened. In fact, when, when I was at the Redskins, uh, you know, Coach Gibbs. Uh, the, the, back then, the, the the player rosters were like forty eight. Today, it's like fifty two or fifty four. Mm-hmm. So they really had to be wise with who's on, who's activating, who's not. And you had a you had a two man taxi team, as I remember this. And me and a guy named Mark Rippon, 
Remember him? Oh, he's yeah. Star. Okay. Quarterback. He's yep. a quarterback. And and uh, he went on to win a Super Bowl. But uh, uh, he they kind of moved him up and down in his early years, activated, not activated. And and they could they would they would leave me on there and and I so but but if he wasn't activated I was the third string quarterback mm-hmm. okay and had Doug Williams and Jay Schrader and then it would be me if disaster struck <laughs> <laughs> and so Coach Gibbs and uh, 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 yeah Coach Gibbs and, and offensive coordinator there uh, and I'm tr- anyway they had they had a series of plays for me. About eight or ten plays, I'd practice occasionally. They were all sprint out passes and you know RPO stuff. Yeah, that if 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 something happened, I would play. But I never, I never got that chance. So. Now, did you did you play any special teams while you were with Washington too, or yes. punt return, kick returner? Yes, I did uh, kick return, punt return, and not every game. There's times where you know kind of either rotated us, but most of the time I was. I played. I played all the special teams. Yes, yeah. and, and uh, you know, being the outside guys on punts, running down, trying to tackle or get the ball, and, mm-hmm. and all the others. Yeah. yeah. What's the name of that position? Because it's it's a violent oh, position to play. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, I forget. I know. do too. That you got two guys trying to beat the you know what out of you yeah. at the line of scrimmage, and you got to you got to fight two guys all the way down and get between them. So yeah, it's and then a, dead sprint, dead sprint to the ball, to the ball. <laughs> yeah, and then don't do something stupid when you get down there. <laughs> so. Um, so let's talk about that time in the NFL. You were with the Redskins for uh, two, two full seasons, two full seasons, and one of them was the Super Bowl. Yeah, the first one. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that I mean, yeah, that's just being at the right place, at the right time, you know, and. And of course, I'll give credit to God for that one. Absolutely, and, and you know, time. Every good is, thing comes yeah, from him. Yeah, every that's right. Every good thing comes from him. So you know, and that was a strike year. So that was a that was a interesting uh, navigation for mm-hmm. us who were rookies, and so went through that. But once that was over, the team, you know, had a lot of had a lot of veterans on it that really pulled us together. And uh, we went out and had a, had a great year. We had we had some losses, had, had some losses, mm-hmm. but we got into the playoffs, and and then the rest is history. When did the knee problems start? Yeah, they, they started after I left the Redskins, and I I wish, you know, looking back, you know, you wish you would have done certain things differently at times. And I got down to uh, I was signed as a free agent with the Miami Dolphins, and this is where I learned of the uh, kind of the bad business side of football, NFL. And uh, so now, you know, I've always been taught don't 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 say things uh, bad about people and I won't. <laughs> but you just learned a different angle from the general manager who promised you a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. to Don Shula and all this. And I hurt I hurt the meniscus in my knee under my knee pad and uh, really should have had surgery and it just wasn't taken care of. And I was I was a bit naive with it. And uh, I thought, well, I'm just going to play through this pain and tried to play through it, and it just got worse and worse, and then they cut me. And then, mm-hmm. then you're, you're, you're hurt, and you really should have had surgery, and you should have gotten rehabilitated, but now you don't. And so I kind of had to go do some of that on my own afterwards because I wanted to come back. I wanted right. to come back to the NFL. And so, yeah, that's, that's where it happened. And 
that in the end, that's what really uh, ended my you know professional career. I did go play another league, uh, another year with the yeah. World Football League. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you gotta, you tell us a little bit about that. Actually, that was a lot of fun. Um, it wasn't quite, it wasn't quite the same money and all that <laughs> stuff. But Lisa and I were married during a time, and it was, it was great for us. We, because when we traveled, we were. I was with a team, Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Chan Gailey was my coach, yeah. okay, head coach. Great guy, great Christian guy, too. I, I've just been really blessed to be in, been able to be coached by some some great men, mm-hmm. some Christian men, too. But anyway, he, he was a great example to us, and we'd go to church with him on Sunday some and during the camp. But anyway, uh, Lisa was the wives. They allowed the wives to travel with us when we went to Europe. So we went to Barcelona, Spain, and mm-hmm. played them. We went to Frankfurt, West Germany, played them. And we played in, in Barcelona. We played. They had just built the – it was the same stadium that the Olympics was in the next year. Yeah. Packed. And these people were very uh, loud and excited. They didn't know the game of football very well. Did they bring Vuvuzelas to the game like they would a soccer game? Uh, yeah. Do you remember or not? The big long yeah. horns. Yeah. I'm you can't – well, listen, you would remember the Vuvuzelas, yeah. I, I think. I remember if that they, one. Okay. All I remember, they didn't know the game very well, but – any big collision, they just cheered. <laughs> it was loud. Anytime it was a big hit, they were really into it. But, uh, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Lisa and I got to travel through there, and you got to tour, you know, castles and all this stuff in your off time and, yeah. and get to play a little bit of football. So, so um, okay, so how many years now married when you were in the WFL? Uh, yeah, well, with the uh, World Football AC, uh, we were married two years. Okay, mm-hmm. that now, was our first two years. Yeah. So when did when did children come into play? Yeah, we were Lisa and I were married ten years okay. before we had kids. So everybody gave up on us. They said, "You guys must not want to have kids," you know. <laughs> and uh, but we did. Uh, at at uh, in year two thousand, our first comes along, Mister Tristan, and um, uh, so he was born, and now he's twenty one. You know, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. And and then uh, five. Good years. job having him at in the year two thousand. Yeah, because the math is easy. The math is forward. easy. <laughs> You're right about that. It helps me. So uh, and Tristan, Tristan's a great kid. He goes. He's an art major at at Roger State University. Okay. He, he loves art and um, doesn't have a uh, athletic desire at all. He's pretty pretty good athlete, but doesn't doesn't play anything. So he's a great artist. Yeah. And then, then Trevor came along five years later, and he he's he's an athlete, plays you know football, basketball, he's ran track, but uh, yeah. So two boys, and down the road after we got married, yeah. So let's talk about the the big thing that happened so far in in your life, and that would have been about what three years ago or so. Um, when with was it a? a Do you have a heart attack? Not a heart attack, thank God. That's part of the miracle with it is I didn't. And, okay. Uh, and and I had uh, I'd actually I'd I'd let myself go. You know, I thought I was in decent shape and uh, had gotten up to like about two hundred sixty pounds. And you know, I played football at two hundred five, two ten, which mm-hmm. is where I'm at today. Yeah. And uh, so I just ate the wrong stuff and too much of it all the time and you know tried to exercise when i could i was working a lot you know traveling uh, in a car driving across oklahoma for hours and just you know doing all that like so many guys do and uh and and 
and what happened is I found out that uh, I had heart issues uh, because I, I would go out with Tristan, my oldest. We, we thought, well, we're going to go jogging a little bit and run a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we did, and we, our commitment was, you know, I don't care if it's snowing or whatever. We're, we're going to go run now. We're, we didn't do it maybe three times a week or so, and only it wasn't like for miles and miles. But uh, I, after a while... I would I would begin to jog, and after about two minutes of jogging, I would feel this pressure in my chest, mm-hmm. and I would feel like it felt like acid reflux, and I had acid reflux, which I've learned is a big sign of heart issues and a heart disease. So I just thought, well, that's just acid reflux, and you know, I take a pill for that. Take a pill, you know. Yeah. So I just kind of kept running through it every day, every time we'd go. And it would hurt. And sometimes I'd tell Tristan, hey, let, let's stop, you know. And then I would, I'd still try to keep running through it, that football nature, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and then Tristan developed a toenail problem, and he couldn't run and he couldn't stop. So I think it was God saying, you need to stop running and go, <laughs> go get your heart looked at. And finally, Lisa said, you need to go in and check it out. So I went into my primary care. They said, we don't think you got a problem, but we're going to rule it out. Go do a treadmill test. And that's where they found it. It's on a treadmill test. And what'd they find? Uh, major blockage. And okay. uh, it was, it was uh, blockage created over time. And they, so they said, we got to go do a heart cath. They went in and did a heart cath. And they thought they were going to give me some stents maybe. Well, I come out of the heart cath because I'm a little you know, tipsy or doozy then. And, and then uh, come out and they said, well, they, they, he pats me on the shoulder to the doctor and says, well, it's, it's too serious. We couldn't, we couldn't do it. We're going to have to do surgery on you. I'm like, like right now? Wow. <laughs> and, and said, no, not now. And, but, you know, so we scheduled it, you know, within a week or two. Mm-hmm. And I, I, uh, Kevin, I had five bypasses. Wow. And uh, the, the, the widow maker, the interior, the lower descending, that they call the widow maker, was blocked at the corner the corner of that and the main artery was 90% blocked, and I had four others that they had to bypass, and it just, you know, it was a mess. And, uh, and so I, I, I went on a, just why did this happen? You know, like I'm mm-hmm. so silly. I, like I, I never, I'd heard about heart disease, and I should have been listening, and I never did. I thought, well, I you know, eat what I want to eat. Exercise a little bit. You were always fine. leaning on that. I'm an athlete yeah. or a former athlete, right. and so stuff like that can't happen. To me. It's not gonna happen to me. And yeah. I'll go out and run a little bit. And I did. I lift weights some. Some. You know. Got, well, that's not enough. And 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 so I learned through my cardiologist, who Lisa and I thank God for him, Doctor Richard Kasiri here in the St. John's Network, and and he told me about why you know why it's happened and the eating and the cholesterol and mm-hmm. what causes the blockage and, you know, all the, the high fatty foods. And so he's a big promoter of eating uh, whole food plant-based. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, that's what I converted to. Like after my first meeting with him before surgery, I converted to that. And for some reason in my mind, it just, I, I've never struggled with that decision. Yeah. A lot of people do. Uh, now I struggle with, you know, uh, early on, uh, being disciplined to not eat those foods because you're addicted to them. Yeah. And so uh, I went on that after surgery, after come out of uh, the, uh, the heart surgery, which is a whole nother stress and worry. And you, your mind, you know, you think, 
you think the worst that you hear about people who don't come out of their surgeries and, mm-hmm. and die, you know. Yep. And so it was very, very stressful. I got a great church, First Baptist Church of Leonard, where I'm a Bob O'Kason pastor that that prayed for me, was there with me. My, of course, Lisa, number one, is there with me and, and taking care of me and my boys and, and our family circle all around me. So prayer and scriptures that people would send me that were just fantastic, you know, and I, I've documented all those. Mm-hmm. And I keep them with me. I read them from time to time. I'll give them to other people that, that are going through these things, going into a major serious surgery. Is there one in particular, Steve, that really strikes you that, that that's the first one you will relay to people? Yeah, and uh, I'd like to find the address for it. But, uh, uh, well, there's several. And, and, and you know, they, they talk about that God will heal you and bring you to health. And I really didn't know about all these scriptures. Now, let me read a couple to you. Sure. Uh, Jeremiah thirty seventeen. This was, it's, I, I like short verses because I can remember them better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I will restore you to health and heal your wounds. How about that? Mm-hmm. I, that? That was a promise I had going in that thing. He's going to restore me to health. Psalms one hundred seven twenty. He sent out his word and he healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Yeah. And and because you're thinking, man, am I going to end up in the grave? You know, he's going to rescue me. Uh, now this is one I really like and that that came to mind for the new eating lifestyle I had and is Jeremiah 23, 25 to 26, worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on, watch this, his blessing will be on your food and water and I will take away sickness from among you. I will give you a full lifespan. Yeah. His blessing is going to be on the way I'm going to be eating yeah. and the way I'm going to be living my lifestyle. So it was verses like that that really stood out to me mm-hmm. and I still keep them today. Yeah. And, uh, and, and those are verses that people sent me. And, I, you know, so if, you're, if you know someone going through a situation that's a serious, life-threatening thing, never hesitate sending them Scripture because yeah. you never know what that's going to do. I remember Bill Blankenship. Bill and I stay in touch. We're not like weekly, you know, guys talking to each other. Uh, I'd shared with him a situation before surgery. Mm-hmm. And of course, he had the cancer surgery that he went through. Yep. And he sent me verses, and he— he sent me a text the morning of my surgery. I didn't get it because I was on the operating table, but Lisa got it. And, you know, just encouraging things like that coming from people right out of Scripture. I know I had that when I was going through my COVID scare yeah. a few months ago. Same thing. Uh, and, uh, of course, m- my thing was, and I certainly encourage anybody to do it, uh, in this time that we live in, and, it, and nothing wrong with a text, uh, but boy, a handwritten note, a yeah, card. That's true. Because we know the effort it takes to do a handwritten note or card and to buy the stamp and to put it in the mail and to get that to somebody uh, takes so much more time and effort. Yeah. And it means more. And I, I certainly have become a, a big you know proponent of sending cards and letters. And I've tried to do that since I recovered from COVID and now I'm am alive and yes, and am, am doing word. well that's good I but i appreciate that. i appreciate that thought though because that really is important yeah so um I, now you stop me like i said if i go on too long here but no i, I want I, you to I, okay. I do want you to to talk more about that because I, I i know that that's something that you really believe in because you 
you saw it happen in your life in yeah. that that whole mindset change of of how to take care of yourself. Right, and and the stats are that 70 to seventy five percent of all Americans are going to get some form of heart disease, and and you know we've heard, we hear those statements they kind of go in one ear and out the other, but that's three fourths of us. That's mm-hmm. seven out of ten of us. Yeah, and and you're going to end up with something. And so, you know, I was I was stupid in the way I was eating. I, mean, I wasn't drinking alcohol, wasn't doing drugs, wasn't, but right. I was eating all the wrong stuff. Right, that can really pollute your system, inflame your coronary artery system, cause cancers, cause heart disease, the whole thing. Not maintaining that temple that God right, right. resides in when he's with you. Yes, that temple of God, which I've got a scripture for that. And of course, <laughs> we all know that. But, but it, it's, it's, you know, God heals in many different ways. Surgery is one of them. Sometimes he reaches out and touches somebody and heals them. We've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then he also heals through what he's already created, and that's that's plants and vegetables that he's that he's made for us right. people, right? And and whole foods that have all the nutrition in it that we need to help our bodies perform the way God designed it. Mm-hmm. And man comes along, puts all this stuff in it, and and it and it causes us problems. Yep. Well, and I was I was it looked like I was you know maybe. I was trying to I was trying to look up the scripture and you you may be able to help me with it because it was uh, Daniel uh, uh, you know as far as healthy eating when because this isn't this isn't something new uh, because you had no. you had those guys who who they were they were feeding the king's food and then wasn't it Daniel yes it is it Daniel, Daniel, who Daniel said, chapter one verses eight and nine I think yeah, yeah. he said let let me eat this yes. other food and the other food was basically stuff straight out of the ground right that god had made right and then let's see who looks the healthiest at the end of whatever the period was mm-hmm. and so it's not like this is something new i mean it's that's not. a story from thousands <laughs> of years ago yeah. about yeah. eating right right and then another scripture that tells us to do this in first corinthians 6 19 20 says don't you realize that your body is the temple of the holy spirit mm-hmm. who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for you you have been bought with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Yeah. And 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 then there's others that are going to point that point point is to taking care of ourselves and all that. So eating, you got to eat right, and you got to eat healthy to lose weight mm-hmm. and keep it off. And you need to exercise a little bit. Now let me ask you this, Steve. Before we go, do you have? Um, is there a website that you would point people to? Do you do you deal with or talk with people on social media? Uh, do you have a, a Facebook or Twitter that you would want to put that, out there? That's where I'm lacking right now, and I need to get all that. I really do. Yeah. Uh, we we, we kind of stalked. COVID kind of slowed Dr. Kasiri and I down a little bit from, yep. the, from the big meetings and everything. So, but uh, but uh, that that's where I'm headed at some okay. point or another, and I don't have that today, but. Maybe through your station, if somebody wants to get a hold of me, I could, I'd love to help people. For now, um, listeners, just reach out to me, and you'll find my email address at suitup611.com, um, uh, or you just call the sports animal, and they can point you in my direction. Thank you. My thanks to Steve for agreeing to be on this podcast. You can hear more stories like Steve's at suitup611.com.